0: This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Isaiah chapter... 42 speaks of the glory of god Uh, every night we're going to be taking a look at our perspective Uh, tonight we're taking a look at an upward look we're taking a look at the glory of god isaiah chapter 42 uh, starting in verse number one behold my servant whom i uphold mine elect in whom my soul delighteth now uh, just by way of context here the book of isaiah is a book of prophecy Isaiah was a prophet. He was telling of things to come. And in this case here, he's prophesying of Jesus Christ, the Messiah who will come. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax he shall not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Verses two and three says that Jesus, when he comes, is not gonna be violent. He's not going to overthrow people physically, but he's going to bring judgment via truth. Verse three tells us. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set all judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and a spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and I will hold thine hand, and I will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light unto the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and out of them that sit in darkness, out of the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. I believe that many things in the Christian life can be fixed if we have the proper perspective of who God is and what he expects of us. Many times I think the way that Christians think about God determines the way that we act towards God. Uh, Some people would believe that God is just a God in heaven who's very disconnected. He he basically created the earth and kind of stepped back and folded his hands and kind of watching it all unfold. If that's our viewpoint of God, then we can say that, that God is just a God up in heaven who kind of left us on our own to do our own thing. And that would inform the way that we behave as well. If we see that God is a loving father who is tender with his children, who wants their their best and has their best interests in mind all, all things, we'll see God as a very involved, loving, caring heavenly father who's taking care of every detail for us on our behalf and looking out for us and caring for us the way that a loving father would care for his children. If we look at God like an angry, abusive father, then we're scared of him, we're afraid of him. And every time we do wrong, we tower in fear because we're afraid that we'll be struck by his heavy hand. We, we think that some people have a viewpoint of God that God uh, delights in, in hurting us or God delights in punishing us or uh, that God in some way is abusive in his uh, correction of us and that couldn't be a further mischaracterization, mischaracterization of who our God is. But I think if we get a glimpse of God's glory, What God is able to do, what God has already done, what God has done for us and what God wants to do for the world, I think it'll change our perspective on who God is. The Bible is full of speaking of the glory of God from cover to cover from the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created of his own power. He spoke the world into existence, therefore showing his glory, power, and majesty for all of eternity. The Bible ends with the book of Revelation when all those that know Jesus Christ as Savior will be gathered together in a new Jerusalem, a new city that God has created for us and we will forever be with the Lord. What a day that's gonna be, enjoying God's glory for all of eternity. And between Genesis and Revelation, there's 64 other books and every single one of them speaks to, directly to the glory of God. The Bible says, uh, let your glory be over all the earth. May the earth be filled with his glory. All the earth will be filled with the glory of God. The earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God. The earth is full of his glory. How majestic is your name in all the earth. I will set my glory among the nations. All nations will come and see my glory. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. They will see the glory of our God. His salvation is near so that glory may dwell in our land. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. The glory of our Lord will be your guide. I will be glorified in your midst. On the day when I glorify myself, you made a name for yourself at this day. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. I've glorified my name and I will glorify it again. And the Bible tells us there'll be no need of the sun or the moon in the city of God because God's glory shines upon it. Again, that is just a small percentage, less than 1%, I would say, of the, what the Bible has to say of the glory of God. Now we talk of the glory of God, it can really be described in two different senses: once uh, in a general category, or as an attribute of who God is. So we think of the glory of God. The glory of God is who God is. God is majesty. God is awesomeness. God is above all else. And so we can think of the glory of God as an attribute of who God is. We can also think of the glory of God as a manifestation of God's presence. Last week on Sunday morning, we took a look at uh, praying for the manifest presence of God. We know that God is omnipresent. He's at all places at all time. That's an attribute of God. It's who he is. When we talk about the manifest presence of God, we're talking about God showing up and doing what only God can do. And this passage in Isaiah chapter 42 shows us three different instances of the manifest glory of God, how God showed and displayed his presence to us in a special way. I wanna challenge you tonight to have this prayer on your heart this week. God, would you show me your glory? God, would you show me your awesomeness? God, would you show me your majesty? God, would you do something in my life this week that only you could do? And then look for God to show himself strong on your behalf. As we take a look at Isaiah chapter 42 tonight, we see first of all that God displays his glory. God's glory is not something that he keeps to himself. He puts it on display for all to see. We see the first way that uh, Isaiah 42 tells us that God has displayed his glory is first and foremost through Jesus Christ. The glory of God is seen in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. If you're not in a good Bible reading plan right now, I'd encourage you to get in the Bible every single day and have a plan as far as where you're going. Sometimes I've known people before who say, well, I just open up my Bible wherever it opens is where I'm gonna start reading for the day because uh, you know, God's all-knowing and all the Bible's good. That sounds really spiritual in theory, but you wouldn't open a novel and just open it up to the first page and start reading somewhere. It just doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Uh, so we want to read with intentionality. And so if you don't have a good Bible reading plan right now, may I suggest that you start uh, in the book of Matthew, the Gospels. It's the story of Jesus Christ and who he is. Now, if you've already read a couple of the gospels, maybe you wanna to skip to John. I'm currently reading through the book of John right now and I never get tired of the book of John. Uh, I could read it a hundred times uh, in a given week and I would find something new every single time I read it. Uh, but if you wanna get fired up, read the, the, the story of Jesus and who he is. It starts in the book of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we sometimes refer to as the synoptic gospels. They tell pretty much the same story uh, in three different perspectives. The book of John kind of stands on its own in the fact that John has some uh, stories about Jesus that aren't found in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, Uh, but all four of those are phenomenal because they tell the story of Jesus and who he is. And as you read through and you watch the story of Jesus and you see it unfold and you see his interaction with people, take really good notes as you go through there, the types of things that Jesus says, the types of people that Jesus spends his time with, the types of thoughts that Jesus thinks the types of words that Jesus says. And you'll learn so much about God's glory, but also God's expectation for us. You see, the goal of every Christian should be to be like Jesus. God's plan for every Christian is that we would grow in Christ-likeness. We took a look at that last Sunday night that Christ might be formed in us. That's God's plan for us. How do we know what that looks like? Read the story of Jesus. God displays his glory so beautifully in the life of Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse number five, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with, with thee before the world was. Jesus says he's about to be crucified. He kneels in the garden of Gethsemane and says, God, give me your glory again, the glory that I had with you before the world was ever created. Now, this is a significant claim for Jesus to make because if we take a look at our text here in verse uh, number uh, eight in Isaiah 42, it says, I am the Lord, this is my name and my glory will I not give to another. God doesn't give his, his glory to anybody. If you and I ask for God's glory, he's not gonna give it to us because he doesn't share it. So when Jesus says, God, give me the glory that I had when I was with you before the world was, Jesus is making a claim to the fact that he is God because only God can take God's glory. That is huge. Again, if anyone wants to say that Jesus was just another man or Jesus was a good teacher, that goes against the teaching of the Bible. Jesus was fully man, yet he was fully God and he was fully displaying God's glory As we read through the crucifixion account and everything that took place to Christ, we see uh, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, hung upon a cross to die for the sins of mankind. And in that moment, we see the glory of God on display for all mankind to see. In that moment, God's love for you and I was displayed in the person of Jesus Christ dying for our sins. We'll have the opportunity to take a look at that on Tuesday night as we look into Isaiah 53 we talk about the suffering of Christ that took place on the cross. But we see the glory of God on display for you and I, first of all, in Jesus Christ. Secondly, we see in verse number five, we see God displaying his glory through creation. Verse five, thus God said, thus saith God, thus saith God the Lord, he that stretched out the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath to the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. You see the creation that you and I have the opportunity to see is a picture of the glory of God. Uh, I've had the opportunity to travel a lot of different places and Hawaii, I believe is one of the most beautiful places that God ever created. Uh, I love the city of Honolulu, I love waking up, I love uh, seeing the sunrise over Diamond Head, it's absolutely gorgeous. I love traveling to to the outer islands and being able to see God's handiwork and his creation there and just the awesomeness and majesty of how good God is. I'm telling you, though, I've seen some pretty rough looking places in the United States too. If you've ever had the opportunity to drive through, I don't know, say Oklahoma, I would say Kansas, but we have some folks from Kansas, so I won't say Kansas. Um, (laughs) Oklahoma, I don't know, New Mexico. Have you ever driven through there before? You look at that place and it's just brown dirt for hundreds of miles. But you know what I think to myself? I think to myself, God spoke and all this just exists. It might not be appealing to the eye, but it's a picture of God's glory. When we, we, we travel, I see different places. And uh, We were on uh, Molokai a few weeks ago. I was driving down a back road, and you look at just as far as you can see, it's just grass and green. And as far as you see further from that, it's just rocks and sand. And as far as you see past from that, it's just ocean. And I think to myself, I don't know if anybody's ever walked over this area before. It's so beautiful. It's so untouched. It's so gorgeous. And then I think to myself, if you wanted to hide a dead body, this would be a perfect place to do it. (laughs) But I think to myself, God just spoke and all this came into existence. This is the glory of God. The fact that you and I are able to wake up another day, this is the glory of God. The life that you and I have, this is the glory of God. The human body is absolutely fascinating, fascinating. It's a picture of the glory of God. And many times we're just like, ah, it just is what it is. And I've been guilty, and I'm sure you have too, of uh, after a while you just wake up and you go to work and you come home and you go to bed and you forget about the glory of God. You forget about God's awesomeness displayed in his creation. You forget that the person that you sit next to at work is a creation of God and they should be a picture of the glory of God. We forget sometimes that our kids they get on our nerves and they frustrate us and they are so needy sometimes. These are a picture of the glory of God. My children help me to understand the heart of God better. Of unconditional love of some something and someone that could never love you back appropriately. A care and concern for someone who has no care and concern for themselves. And to think of God's Sacrificial love for us by taking his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and offering him up as a sacrifice for us. This is a picture of the glory of God. I want to challenge you this week to be on the lookout for the glory of God. God, show me your glory. Open my eyes once again. I hope if you get a chance to, to head down H3 or you go over uh, the Pali or the Leaky Leaky and you see those Kolau Mountains, you see the, the, the clouds that are just hanging onto the top of those, I hope you'll stop and say, Oh, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. And you'll look at that and you go, wow, God, you're so good. Hoping the next time you see a sunrise, you see a rain cloud, you say, oh, the glory of God on display. I think it was uh, Friday night, we were uh, coming back from picking up my son from school and we came over the Moanalua freeway there the, on uh, the 201, that little hump that you make and then you can see the whole city out there and it was gray and overcast. I mean, it looked like Seattle. Like you never see it here, just low-hanging gray clouds over the entire city. wasn't a scratch of blue in the entire sky. And Rikili goes, Dad, I know that's kind of ugly, but it's kind of pretty, isn't it? I thought, yeah, it is, because we don't get to see stuff like that. And I just thought to myself, the glory of God in creation, you and I couldn't create something this incredible if we tried. You think of something as simple as the ocean and, and all of the the life that takes place in the ocean. You and I couldn't create something like that if we wanted to. Just to have something like the uh, aquarium out here requires tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars just to subsist a small tank full of fish. Yet God created the entire ocean and it just takes care of itself. It's a picture of the glory of God. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show his handiwork. God shows his glory through Jesus Christ, through creation, and finally, uh, thirdly, through his unfailing love. Take a look at verse number six and seven in our text tonight, Isaiah 42, six and seven. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and I will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, and to them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. See, God displays his unfailing love for you and I through salvation, through Jesus Christ. You see, you and I are not lovely, beautiful, wonderful Sinless creations, you and I are dirty, rotten, despicable sinners, down to the core. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. From the moment of conception, I was a sinner. Uh, The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that we came forth from our mother's womb speaking lies, that we are sinners from the very beginning, but God chooses to love us. Our sin has separated us from a holy God Uh, The Bible says that God is repulsed by our sinful condition because God is holy, not because God is not loving, but because God can't touch sin. He's perfect, he's holy, and he must take a step back from our sin and hold us at our arm's length until our sin is cared for. And we can't care for our sin just by trying to do better or working harder or maybe changing some bad habits we have. No, our sin has a price that must be paid. And either you and I can pay it by being separated from God forever, or we can allow Jesus to pay the price for us. And God shows us his unfailing love in the person of Jesus Christ by giving us salvation for our sins. Again, take a look at verse number seven, to open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and then set in darkness out of the prison house, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory will I not give to another, neither praise to graven images. The glory of God is shown in our salvation. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that there's been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, I would encourage you to let tonight be that night to recognize that you've broken God's law, you've sinned against him, and you need to be forgiven of that sin. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. You and I will stand before God one day and give an account of our life and God doesn't wanna know how good of a person you were or how bad of a person you were. He wants to know what did you do with my son, Jesus? Did you accept him as savior or did you reject him and do your own thing? And that determines whether we go to heaven or hell, what we did with Jesus. And so if you're here tonight, you don't know for sure that you're saved. There's not been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as savior. Tonight is your opportunity to be forgiven and allow the glory of God to be seen through you. Every time a sinner comes to repentance, the Bible says the angels in heaven break out a party of celebration up there. Every time a sinner comes to Jesus, the glory of God is on display yet again. I love it when uh, after services, we'll see sometimes folks sitting in here, hearing the gospel, someone going through the Bible with them and telling them how they can know for sure that they're saved. It's always encouraging when somebody comes out and they say, Pastor, I got saved today. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Man, that's the glory of God on display that he took a wretched sinner like you and me and says, you're forgiven, and you're not just forgiven, you're now my son. Welcome to our family. That's the glory of God on display for you and for I. I hope you never get over the fact that you're saved. I hope you never get over the fact that God has redeemed you and given you a new life. Sometimes I'll talk with people and I'll say, hey, tell me your story about how you got saved. And I say, well, my story's not really all that exciting. <laughs> I always stop them, and I go, Nope. Any sinner that comes to Jesus and is saved is an exciting story. Anyone who once was dead and is now alive, that's a phenomenal story. They say, so, well, you know, I was a kid. I, I was in Sunday school. And I prayed and asked Jesus to save me, and he did. Paul, oh, praise God for that. Oh, what a story. They're like, well, it wasn't really that exciting of a story. No, no, no. It is the greatest story ever told. It's the most important thing that will ever take place in your entire life, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and it's the glory of God on display So I want you to remember the glory of God on display in your own life and what God has brought you from and what God has brought you to. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever allow that a day to go by without thanking God for your salvation and for who he has been to you personally. I love how God promises again and again throughout scripture that he will be our God and we can be his people He's promised to be a loving, caring, heavenly father and our perspective of God will inform our behavior on a day-to-day basis. So I wanted to give you a fresh look at the glory of God in your own life. First of all, through Jesus. Secondly, through creation. Thirdly, through his unfailing love. Every night at the end of our revival services, I'm gonna have a a prayer that I want you to pray or some form of that prayer that I want you to pray throughout the week. Now, because we are Bible-believing Baptists, we don't prescribe prayers for people to write down in a book and repeat word-for-word verbatim. We don't do stuff like that. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know how to pray. Can you write me some prayers? We don't do stuff like that. Prayer is just communicating to God. But I think there is uh, some... some wisdom in praying and asking God for something specifically. So I'm gonna encourage you uh, each night to pray a prayer something in line with what we have here. And I want your prayer for tonight to be this. God, show me your glory this week. And I want you to show me your glory through Jesus. I want you to throw, show me your glory through creation. and I want you to show me your glory through your unfailing love. Now again, whatever form that takes and however you wanna pray it, that's totally up to you. But our perspective will determine our behavior. What you look at will determine your emotions, your feelings, your actions. This is true for everything currently in this auditorium. There's probably maybe five of you that know this, but I'm gonna let everybody know tonight. There is insulation tape that has fallen off of the insulation on the ceiling and there is insulation that looks like it's about to fall on the ground i can't see anything else in this entire room that's the only thing that i see i started looking start to uh, look there's one right there you see that right there in the middle there and there's one over there on that side over there now we're trying to we we're trying to figure out do we need a ladder do we need a scaffolding do we need a lift what do we need to do to make it happen we're going to fix it this week but i'm telling you this it's all i can see it's it and what feeling do you think that brings up in me anxiety, frustration, if I'm not careful, anger. Now, here's the thing. Uh, we talked about it this past week, and I said, hey, take a look at it, see if we can get it with the ladder. If not, we'll have to get a lift or a scaffolding. That's fine. We're on it. I know we're on it, but it's still not done, and it frustrates me. And this morning, when I came in, what do you think I saw? I saw those new guests. Did you meet them? On, no, I didn't see them. I saw the, the insulation about the fall. And, and you know what I had to say? God. Help me to change what I'm looking at. Help me to change my perspective. I'm I'm gonna confess before you guys, last six, seven weeks, we've said goodbye to a family every single week, every single week. And if that's my focus, I'm gonna be frustrated, discouraged, disappointed. But if I look at what God is still doing through his church, I'll be greatly encouraged. If I look at the new folks that are coming that need a place to get plugged in, I'm gonna be encouraged by that. If I see people that have been coming for maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, and they're making good spiritual progress, I'm gonna be encouraged by that. So where I look determines my emotions, my feelings, and my actions. And I want you tonight to look at the glory of God and go, oh, God, you're awesome. God, you're faithful. God, you spoke this world into existence and let me revel in your creation God, you love a sinner like me. There's nothing lovable about me, but you chose to love me anyways. Let me see your glory through your unfailing love and giving me your son. And God, I want your glory to rest upon my life, not so that I can get glory, but so that I could glorify you. I want people, when they look at me, not to say what a great guy Anthony King is, but what a great God Anthony King serves That's my heart, and I want it to be your heart as well, that God's glory would be on display because when we get back to wanting to see God work, wanting to see God move, wanting to see God's glory and craving it, that will bring a spirit of revival when we go back to finding what I can get from God or what God can do for me or how God can serve me this week or how God can meet my needs or how I can push God off to the side to have more time for myself, then we miss out on the glory of God and we miss out on the awesomeness and majesty of who he is. And so I wanna challenge you tonight. Let's get a fresh perspective, a fresh look at the glory of God. And I think it'll change our emotions and it'll change our actions throughout this week. Every night we're taking a look at something different. Tomorrow night we're taking a look at an inward look. We're looking at our own heart and ask God to, to point out anything that's wrong. And, and I I hope, I hope tomorrow's message is uncomfortable for us. And I don't say that to be mean. I'm not gonna try to on purpose say things that are hurtful or anything like that. That's ugly. I want us to be challenged by the word of God. Hey, if you and I can come to church 52 weeks out of the year and leave here going, I think I'm doing all right. I, th- I think I'm good haven't truly heard from God's Word. And so I want to challenge you this week to come in and expect God to challenge you through His Word. Uh, Tuesday night, we're taking a look at a Calvary look. We're taking a look at the cross and what Jesus Christ has done for us from uh, Isaiah chapter 53. Man, so much power in Isaiah chapter 53. And then uh, Wednesday night, we're taking an outward look, how we can use the gospel to affect the world, truly. And each night, we're going to change our perspective, what we're looking at and how we should look at it. I hope you'll be here each night. Uh, Again, I think it'll it'll be a help to you. I have have no desire to have a large crowd here every night. It's not about getting people here or or getting our numbers up or anything like that. It's about getting people here that need to hear from God. And I wanna challenge you uh, to be here for that. Tonight for our invitation time, we're gonna do a little bit different. I think think there's certain power that comes in, in, in praying publicly together. I think there's certain power that comes in, in coming forward and kneeling at an altar. We're not a church where a lot of people come forward and kneel at the altar. Uh, there's some, for those of you that don't know, this area around here is sometimes referred to as an altar. There's nothing special about it. There's no uh, special blessing that's been placed on it. We don't wash it with holy water or anything like that. Uh, it's just a, a place where we come and kneel and pray. But here's what I like about the, the term altar. An altar is a place where we make sacrifices. It's a place where we lay things down before God as an offering to him because of our love, worship, and adoration for him. And so I would, I would encourage you tonight, if you wanna uh, come and pray, to come pray at the altar, feel free to come do that. If you other rather pray at your seat, uh, do that. But I would ask all of us to pray uh, for the glory of God to be on display for us, evident, every single day, and that we, our hearts would be looking for the glory of God on display in our own lives, in our family, and the, the people around us, in our community, uh, in God's creation, and most of all through his son, Jesus Christ.